This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host... Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good morning, Wally. How are you? I just want to say one thing before I forget, and I do forget. My sister-in-law's birthday today, Carmen Franceschetti. And yes, she is related to Lou by uh, their cousins. Has a birthday. Happy birthday, Carmen. Happy birthday, Carmen. Anyways, uh, we're pleased to welcome in studio, give you a little uh, roadmap for the show today. Uh, We've, uh, of course, uh, a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, the ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson, I hope I can call you the ultimate Leafs fan because you are the ultimate Leafs fan. I know you disagree with me at times when I use that moniker of yours, but welcome. Well, thanks, guys, for having me. I know I, I do get, I've had that label handled on me, uh, you know, by ESPN Magazine, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of Leafs fans that sure give me grief sometimes thinking that I'm arrogant enough to call myself the ultimate no, Leafs fan. No, well, we'll call you that, so we'll Thank save, you, we'll, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll preserve your humility. Uh, <laughs> In any event, we've uh, we you're you're holding an interesting event at the end of the month, a reunion of the 1973 Marlies, and that's a, certainly a topic that that we want to talk about. Naz and I both have very fond memories of that particular team. And later on in the show, Mike, we're going to be chatting about your reunion and and some of and reliving some of those uh, great moments, uh, the Toronto 1973 Marlies, and. Our most important visitor, with all due respect for you, Mike, <laughs> this morning is uh, is Jane Roos. Good morning, Jane. You, of course, are, are uh, and I'll do, we're going to interview you uh, uh, shortly after the first break, and I'll give you a proper introduction at that moment in time. But uh, you have been in the forefront of the um, important task of raising money for our Canadian athletes and it's an interesting story you are an interesting story in terms of how you came about into this and you do some remarkable work uh, in raising money for Canadian athletes who uh, once we get into this story will realize the the challenges they face in trying to um, you know uh, display their talents and and follow their dreams and the financial burdens that they face in doing that and I don't you know my research on this there's nobody more important in Canada Thank you. than Jane Roos in terms of trying to help out our Canadian athletes so we're certainly really looking forward to that story well thanks for having me we're on look, the show looking forward to that uh Naz I know we were trying to get a hold of um a gentleman to talk about, uh, we want to chat about this briefly. I don't know if Sebastian has the gentleman on the air, uh, but we'll talk about a, an important gentleman that we actually talked about last Sunday. And it came as, when it came over, when I saw it on, on Twitter uh, yesterday, of course, we're talking about Brian Murray, um, who passed away. 
We talked about Brian Murray last Sunday on the show. We had Lou Franceschetti in studio. Uh, we talked about Eugene Melnick. We asked about Brian Murray's medical condition last Sunday, and uh, we were kind of shocked um, that uh, we got this news yesterday. Yeah, yes. I was stunned at that news. It was uh, something. Brian Murray was a well-liked guy, though, you know. And his success in hockey, you, know, you realize he kind of built four teams? Stanley Cup winners, it's, it's incredible. Anyways, Naz, I'd like you to introduce our, uh, somebody who's, uh we've gotten a hold of, and I know that you've been important in trying to get a hold of this gentleman, so I'll let you do the introduction. Jim Thompson. Jimmy, how are you? I'm wonderful, Naz. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great how's old Matthew, times with how, us. Yes. How's Matthew doing? Matthew's doing really well. He's in the uh, radio business himself. He's a producer at uh, The Fan. Oh, doing tell, well. him I said, tell him I said hello. Yeah, he's probably listening. That's good. Uh, Jimmy, we uh, want you to talk about Brian Murray, your uh, recollection of Brian as a coach. Well, I was uh, drafted to Washington in 84, um, and Brian introduced me at camp, and, and I, I met this man that, you know, it was just his whole demeanor. You knew he was so serious, and he liked tough players. I was somewhat of a tough player, and we hit it off right away, and he kind of put his arm around me and said, you know what, kid, do your thing, and you will you know, find your way to this team. So as the as training camp started, I went down to Binghamton, their, their farm team, and I'll speed the story up. But make a long story short, we, we played Hershey back-to-back my second year in Binghamton. I hadn't played an NHL game yet. And all the staff was there at the Hershey Center um, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and we played two games back-to-back, and after the second game, I had checked a 50-goal score, Ross Fitzpatrick, and they, I didn't know I was being tested, so Larry Poe had me doing this. He said, no fighting. They were sending all these guys out to fight me. So Sunday night, they're all standing there after the game. I'm getting ready to get on the bus to go back to Binghamton, and they all called me over, David Poyle, Warren, the late Warren Stralo, the goalie coach, Terry and Brian Murray. And Brian said to me, he said, great job this weekend. He said, we're calling you up, and you're going to play tomorrow night against Pittsburgh Penguins. So obviously, as a young boy growing up in Edmonton, uh, my dream had come true. I drove back to Washington with Warren Stralo, the goalie coach. And in the morning skate, uh, we're skating around, saw you know Scott Stevens, Rod Langway, Mike Gartner, all these great capitals that I was in camp with. After the skate, get called into the coach's room, and they're all sitting there again. David Paul, everybody, and Brian said to me, and this is you know one of my biggest memories of Brian. How do you feel? And I said, Well, I'm okay. He goes, You nervous? And I said, nah, A little bit. He goes, Well, if you're not nervous now, you will be. You're covering Lemieux tonight. <laughs> so, for any player that ever made it to the NHL, understanding that their very first NHL game, they're going to cover Merrill Lemieux, it, it was surreal and. That's a whole other story about that. I actually saw Mario when Ottawa played Pittsburgh. Uh, I was in the alumni box in Ottawa and went down and said hello to Mario and reminded him of that story, which he laughed and remembered. But Brian was unbelievable, and he, you know, he really took care of me, and I give him a lot of credit for getting me started in the NHL. The funny part of that story, you told, and I remember it verbatim when you told it to me one time, you're, you're, you're missing the point where you scored a goal, and what did Brian Murray say to you? Well, actually, it wasn't that. That's not what it was, Naz, so you forgot a little bit. What happened was is I was doing a great job for a period in three quarters. And at the, before the game, he said, I don't care if you have a breakaway. You stay with Lemieux. 
So he's taken a penalty on me. I've done this great job. Kevin Hatcher gets the puck wide, and it's funny that you had Lou on last weekend. Lou Francisketti going wide down the boards, and we got a three-on-one. I leave Lemieux and go on the three-on-one. And up, you know, call it a brain fart, call it just, you know, being taught three-on-one. So what happened was is Kevin Hatcher passes the puck back to me, and the hockey gods were not looking out for me. The puck went over my stick. Lemieux lifts another stick, and he turns up ice on a breakaway on Bob Mason. Now, he didn't score. I come back to the bench, and if you ever heard Brian Murray yell, he's screaming at me, Thompson, I told you. He said, I'll bury you so far the hockey news won't find you. (laughs) So I am a star in between periods in the first and second period. You know, Mike Gardner, great job, Jimmy. Everything's going well to sitting on the bench the rest of the game and thinking my career is over just like that. And I ended up staying up for, I think, nine more games before I hurt my hand in a fight against Montreal. But, yeah, Brian, Brian, you know, he was he was, uh, he was was a big part. It just it's like uh, you guys said, it was surreal for me yesterday. Hey, Jimmy, it's uh, Mike Wilson. Hello, Michael. How are you doing, my man? I am wonderful. Uh, I just want to say quickly... Thank you for honoring the Marlies. I was a former Marley, and uh, um, just that's really nice to hear. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, listen, uh, you and I have had many discussions about this in the past, but by the way, Lim, you did that to more than uh, just yourself, <laughs> by the way, over his career, so don't be too hard on yourself. No. But uh, secondly, Jimmy, now here's one for you. Who is the first guy to challenge you in the NHL? <laughs> to a fight? Well, just to, to, to see if you had the wherewithal to, to play in this league. In other words, a fight. My very first fight, um, no, i got to go back. I know I was Rob Ray's first fight uh, exhibition game in Buffalo, or that wasn't in Buffalo, it was somewhere else. Um, man, oh, man, Mike, I, I'm, it escapes me, my very first challenge. Well, what uh, kind of chirping did they give you right off the bat? You know, oh, like, that, okay, that's, what I, that. that's what oh, I was yeah. kind of getting. Oh, that's what I really was getting at. Well, let's, do, let, let's go to that game. So the deal was the same thing, Mike. Don't fight. They had Jay Caulfield. They had all these guys. Um, and right off the first, when they figured out, they, they knew prior to the game. Uh, Caulfield came out, and they, they were all over my ass. And as Brian told me, do not fight. But <laughs> in that game, I was getting challenged right, left, and center because they knew this tough guy was called up to take Lemieux out of Not take him out of the game, but cover him and piss him off, which he took two penalties on me, I believe. But... <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they didn't like me in my first game. Think about it. I'm in, I'm in the show my first game, and, and I'm the most hated guy on the ice just like that. So it was, uh, it was, it was interesting, I've got to tell you. We're talking with Jim Thompson. We're talking about the uh, uh, remembrances of uh, uh, the passing of uh, Brian Murray, who was uh, a beloved NHL figure. And, uh, Jim, we're going to let you go. We've got to move on with the show. But we do want to um, finish off with this. So we want to let you uh, share with our listeners. Uh, Brian Murray um, didn't seem to have an enemy anywhere in hockey. Uh, Not only didn't have an enemy, but seemed to be loved by everybody. And there's not that many people in hockey you can say that about. Um, So we'll like, we'll, we'll give you the last 10, 15, 20 seconds and just tell us about, uh, tell us about how you felt about Brian Murray. Uh, Exactly that. Honest, uh, what what he said to you meant something. Uh, caring, always took an interest. My son and I were in Ottawa 
couple of years ago um, with Brian at a pregame skate and the time he took to reminisce about our past and, you know, um, the Lemieux story and all these different things and how he treated my son James was, you know, that's Brian. And that's the thing about him. He was a real guy. When you talk about a good guy, Brian was one of the good guys and there was no BS out of his mouth. It was what it was. And uh, I'll miss him. It did hit me yesterday, and uh, I thank him for giving me an opportunity, a young kid from Edmonton that nobody said could make it. Brian believed in me. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. All the best. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks, Jimmy. Um, just final word on, on Brian Murray before we go to break. Um, um, he got diagnosed with colon cancer about three or four years ago, and he fought it. And He uh, fought it hard. He fought it hard, and, hard. and, and, and uh, he didn't hide it. He didn't hide it. Uh, he spread the word about it, and in his own way, because he sensitized other people to it, uh, in his, he probably saved some lives as well. Um, so his contributions were way beyond just hockey. Um, so it's time for our break. I just want to let our listeners know we'll be coming back from the break, and we're going to be talking to somebody special. And she's in studio with us today. And if you want to... Uh, to, you can listen in on 7.40 a.m. Of course, we are 96.7 FM, and we're also at www.zoomerradio.ca. So if you want to see Jane Roos live and in person, you can, uh, you can tune in. We're live video streaming. Jane, um, just a little bit of uh, who you are to our listeners before we go. Um, you are a promising track athlete, and we'll, we'll chat about that. Uh, and your career was cut short. And then you started raising money and you started helping Canadian athletes. And you've been recognized as one of the most influential women in sport in Canada uh, because you've done and are doing some tremendous work helping out our amateur athletes. And we're going to go to break and we're going to talk to you about that when we come back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. 
It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome to our show Jane Roos. Welcome, Jane. Thanks for having me on the show. Good Sunday morning. It's fantastic. Uh, it's great to have a smile in the studio at this time of the morning. Uh, and you are uh, certainly bring a lot of energy to the studio this morning. So uh, I'm going to um, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you. So if I embarrass you a little bit, please forgive me. But I think it's important that our listeners know why you're here. And this, this idea for this interview actually arose last Sunday morning. When we talked to when we talked to Eugene Melnick and Eugene, um, we had a heated discussion with Eugene about the uh, the NHL players in the Olympics, and he said, you know, like like well, why are we talking so much about professional hockey players who make gazillions of money? Uh, and he, he sort of turned the conversation around to why don't we talk about uh, funding and how we can help our athletes who don't have $7 million a year contracts, and he put us in touch with you. Yeah, thanks. And that's where that came from. And I will be, um, I will apologize right off the top by apologizing for the fact that I did not know very much about your organization. I didn't know much about you, and I'm embarrassed to say that because once I looked into what you do, uh, I realized I should have been sensitized to this a long time ago. So I'm late to the party. But it's it's a thrill to have you in this morning. Uh, just so your listeners know, our listeners know, you were a promising track athlete yourself. You had a terrible car accident that ended your career at the age of 19. And then you turned that life lesson into helping Canadian athletes and started an organization called Canadian Athletes Now Fund, a not-for-profit organization. You raise money, lots of money for very deserving Canadian athletes. You've been honored with a, live, with a live Olympic award given to only 20 people. You've been recognized as one of the most influential women in sport. The Globe and Mail has selected you as one of the most influential people in sport. And you're a recipient of various leadership and sports awards. Uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so... Tell us the Jane Roos story in your words. Well, you're right. I was an athlete. I did heptathlon, which is seven events. And uh, I was uh, young, and my girlfriend, we drove her parents to the airport. We were living in Ottawa. And uh, unfortunately, she fell asleep on, in the, on the wheel, which a lot of happens. And uh, unfortunately, she didn't survive. So in that moment, I got very clear that I'm only here once, life is short, what am I going to do with my life? But on the flip side of that, I identified myself as an athlete, had a very structured life, and then I had a lot of free time on my hands, and it took me a long time. I wandered for a while just to figure out what would be something meaningful, and it was my second back operation in Toronto. I was at Toronto Western, and I was really bored. And I asked the nurses if they would be okay if I did a fundraiser and phoned companies back then and said, I have no idea what we're giving the money to, but it's going to be at this 
bar in Toronto, and we're going to do something big with this money. And so in the very beginning, uh, we raised $40,000 from that party, and I didn't. I decided, you know, I'd love to help Canadian athletes. Many of them live below the poverty line, and being the best in the world costs money. And uh, so in the very beginning, I used to have athletes come to my house. They would give me receipts, and I would just reimburse them. Uh, and we quickly realized that this was a big thing because people were coming by a lot, uh, athletes and their parents. And so in 2003, we became an official charity and uh, so transparent that when you donate, you find out which athlete you've helped and uh, you get a tax receipt. So it was a great journey. And um, every year we have two applications and 750 athletes just applied and they are able-bodied Paralympic athletes. They are from all over this great country that we live in. And they need money to eat properly, afford coaching, pay team fees, which most of your listeners will never hear them talk about. Don't talk about like, I, I, I read about that, and I found that astounding. You're an amateur athlete, but you actually have to dig into your own pocket as an amateur athlete to pay to be on a team. Yeah, it's really big. Tell us with, about that. It's really big with our winter athletes right now. So we're like 179 days to the Winter Games in South Korea, and we have a big waiting list of athletes looking for funding. And a lot of the funding, there are their team fees. So anywhere from $1,000 to $20,000, our athletes are paying just to be on the team. And if you don't pay, you don't play. You don't get to be on the team. Then they're paying for equipment. And they're also paying for coaching. And, and we're talking about, we're talking about serious international athletes oh, here yeah. that are of the caliber that would attend the Olympic Games. Yeah, I like got the 19 sports. Yeah. I, I'm curling and hot women's hockey don't pay team fees. Okay. Uh, skeleton, it's up to twenty thousand. Alpine skiing could so, be. So like, some of these athletes that like we'll watch the Olympics and we'll see them on TV, and let's they actually have to pay for some of their own equipment. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. find that astounding. <laughs> They're in debt afterwards, too, yeah. Wally. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, they I, usually I, come back out of the games in debt. I, I don't even know how to react to that. I don't, I don't know if I'm astounded or I'm ashamed. Um, i got to think about that one because, you know, we all, as Canadians, we take pride in watching our athletes on TV. And when they win a gold medal or they win a medal and we see that Canadian flag, we all get this jolt of nationalism and we all take the pride in it and we all celebrate and, you know, and, and we all have a good time, yet that poor athlete's paying to be there. I, always, I, 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 you know, I, I find that astounding. I, really, I always I do. say we do our best work when nobody's watching, nobody's cheering, when they're not front and center. And that's when we want Canadians to care. So my job as the founder of CanFund is to create ways that Canadians will care about our athletes because it can't just be those 16 days at the games. That's when they are they're there. They don't need the funding then. They need it now when they're trying to qualify. The majority of athletes in this country won't qualify until this fall, late in the wintertime. And some, like I think the women's hockey team get announced just before Christmas. So they're all centralized right now in Calgary and 28 girls, women are centralized 23 make the roster. So it's, it's a constant, um, it's a, there's a huge need, and uh, it's a constant trying to get Canadians to understand. Kaylee Humphreys from the women's bobsled team, she's won two golds back-to-back. 
CanFun has supported her since 2003. And so she phoned me and she's like, I want to write a letter and I want you to share it. And she's I want Canadians to adopt an athlete. I want companies and Canadians. We have a, a $10,000 to adopt an athlete and you get a tax receipt and you get to meet the athlete. And Kaylee Humphreys has written this letter and we've shared it. And companies are coming on board. They get it. Like it's six months of the games. Have your own athlete for your company to share. Hear about their success. Be part of their journey. And then watch them when they compete for Canada. Jane, um, I've been involved with the Utilical Olympium a lot. And I saw a lot of swimmers and gymnasts train there. And I cannot believe how early they get up in the morning. And uh, how early they go to bed to train. And they train, train, train. And it wasn't cheap. It cost them a lot of money. What would you say an average athlete would cost in their career? Well, I think it all depends on their sport, you know, and I think it all depends on the amount of equipment. Like when you look at the summer games, you know, a lot of the athletes are, you know, it's spikes, shoes, you know, soccer, basketball. But when you get into the winter sports right now, it's like big-time equipment. And if you don't have the right equipment to compete on the international stage – that's the difference between winning a medal and not. And athletes have told us that. They've said to us that, you know, camp fun is a difference maker from being on the podium and not being on the podium. And people might think, well, why would my $50 or my $25 to my, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that donors give to us matter? Well, it all adds up, right? And when you need to eat better or when you need to have a coach or travel to a competition, uh, this money comes in, and we have a thing uh, where we call the athletes. And Mike, you've been on part of those calls, mm-hmm. and it's it's moving because you'll call them and say, "Okay, how's it going? How's your training? Where are you at right now?" Because we get so many athletes that apply, we want to kind of do our homework right when we call them, like just to kind of check in. And uh, we just called an athlete uh, the other day, and. He's a three-time, this will be his third Olympic Games, and he just said, this is, takes so much stress off my plate. Like, you have no idea. And I'm like, yeah, we kind of have some idea. This is why we exist. And he said, I don't know how to thank you. And I'm like, just train. What does our federal government and provincial government donate to these athletes? I'm curious because they should fund some of it, right? Well, they do. And I think in Canada, our best athletes get carding, which is $1,500 a month if you're the best in the world, and um, in $900 and 11 Like, there's different types of carding, but our best athletes get 1500 The challenge is, like, we just did this thing. Like, I'm looking for 150 women because our female athletes did so well in Rio. And I really, as a woman entrepreneur, want women to support women. Uh, I'm doing with. I'm looking right now. We're doing 150 women across Canada to give $1,500 to match what our female athletes live on a month, and it's going well. Like people understand that this money is going directly to them. They use it for what they need it to be used for. They, um, you get a tax receipt. So. A lot of our donors are entrepreneurs, but are your your listeners because they get the tenacity, like what you said, Naz. About it was incredible. It yeah, was absolutely like incredible. the work ethic and the commitment, and they don't do it for the money. And you said it earlier too, Wally, is that you wear the maple leaf. You're representing all of us, and the fact that they're going into debt, and we'll probably send. And I have this bad habit of interrupting. No, it's okay. Jane. You can interrupt. I apologize, but you, you make a point there uh, that I that I just have to. It, it's just. We, we, you know, if we don't, we don't have success 
at the Olympic Games or at, in, in any event, then every become, everybody becomes a critic. Like, what's wrong with Canadian sport? Why aren't we producing good athletes? You know, if, we, if we have a bad result in an Olympic Games, there's criticism everywhere. But, like, what are we doing to, to help these athletes? Like, you know, we're, everybody's quick at throwing out criticism at our athletes when they don't achieve the success that we expect them to achieve. And then we all take the credit. Yeah. When, when, when they do achieve, and we have these national celebrations of everybody feels great, Canada did fantastic at these Olympic Games. Well, yeah, Canada did fantastic, but, you know, maybe it was more the athletes and their personal commitment. And, and as the all, bank I, of mom and dad. <laughs> and the you bank know, of mom and dad. I want to get back to uh, the, um, the cost. And that. What, what do the Olympics donate back to the athletes? What do they give back? Because they're making all the money. Yeah, that's a bit of a yeah. It's <laughs> a bit of a sore spot. Uh, it's likes to stir the, up hornet's uh, nest every now and then. It's true. Events. They yeah, made, no, they're you're absolutely right. I think, that's, I think that's where uh, Eugene was pointing at uh, Dick Pound. There's a said, lot of money at the top end. Yeah, where's yeah. the money? Being in Vancouver was a real eye. I don't go to the games very much. Yeah. Uh, when we're here during the Olympics, it's those 16 days that Canadians really care. So. We will be at First Canadian Place this year, and we have the art gallery, and all the art will be done by Canadian athletes. But for those 16 days, I'm working because I need to raise the money for the next group of athletes because we start at scratch every time because we just can't keep up with the need. And I've got to raise like $4 million every year just to keep up with the need. Um, but, yeah, it's frustrating because you're watching everybody making a lot of money, and these athletes are coming back in debt. And... I always say, like, our athletes, they're on the pursuit of awesomeness and excellence is the bare minimum. And I want my children to see that. I think we need, you know, people say, why do you care so much? I'm like, well, when you see excellence, you believe it's possible. We're talking to Jane, Jane Roos. Jane, uh, um, uh, want to talk about your website a little bit. Uh, obviously, I, you know, I introduced you earlier as one of the most influential women in sport in Canada, and you certainly are. And your website, uh, I hope I wrote it down. My eyesight's not so good. CanadianAthletesNow.ca. You can just MyCanFund.ca. My and it automatically directs you yeah, to that website. MyCanFund.ca. <laughs> okay. And an interesting website. I highly encourage people to go there. And, of course, if you go to the website, I'm sure there's uh, all kinds of information how we can donate. Uh, yeah, I mean, we love monthly donors. And we just created this really cool program that your listeners will love. Everyone is tired of the big charity dinner. It's a waste of money. And so we've reinvented the charity dinner, your home, your friends, and we bring the Canadian athletes. And it could be casual like a barbecue or as elegant as you want. But the great thing about it is you invite your friends over, meet the Olympic athletes. Uh, one of our donors just did it for her 50th birthday party. And uh, Justin LaRock, one of the hockey girls, came with her medal, and a basketball player came, and they told their stories. They signed um, autographs for the kids, but then we surprised Jocelyn with a $6,000 check. So it was awesome because people see the impact, but they also get to meet them. Well, if I can interject. Please, absolutely, Mike. Coincidentally, Jane and I yeah. happen to be on the show today, and we do have some history because Deb and I have been supporters of Can Fund for the last number of years, and we've raised a lot of money for them. We've had a lot of events, but I think, that, and we, we were involved in a lot of charities, but this is one that's close to the heart because 
what it is, it's, it's the athletes actually that make the difference, as Jane alluded to. I mean, not only the selfless efforts of Jane and Conrad, but the athletes. And I know when we got involved, Rose McLennan is an example. The money she used from CanFund, she used to repair her car to get to practice. Wow. This is a two-time gold medal winner who's probably going to win a third gold medal. And so when we went to raise money for her, Rosie came over to her place, and we were, I was just going to have it event because I knew her dad, so we were going to raise some money for her and help her. And as we are turning around the room, she kind of looked at Deb and I and said, you know, we really appreciate what you guys are doing for me, Mike and Deb, but you know what? Some of the athletes in 2014 going to the Sochi Games, they could really use some help. Could we split the money? I mean, and uh, that, I mean, I finally got through that story, Jay can tell you, without crying, because usually that brings tears to your eyes, but every athlete was the same. Another athlete, Corinne Thomas, flew in from Montreal to give me her gold medal from the Pan Am Games because we helped her. I mean, we've had, when I do these calls at Conrad and we give the athletes money, these guys are like, they're tears on the phone. But the first thing they step up to do is anything we can do, Mike, to help you or help one of your events. Because remember, these kids are putting their lives on hold. They're putting their schooling on hold. Their careers are set back while they're training. And the biggest thing is they don't have the funding. And, you know, these guys are out raising money and training other athletes to raise money to train for themselves. And then they're representing us in the world stage. And I can tell you that when we've had the events at our place, and all the guys in my office, I hit them all up for a lot of money. But when those winter games were on and a couple of our girls were standing on the podium or a couple of the guys standing on the podium, our whole office was on their feet cheering and jumping up and down because they helped. And as Jane said, right. every athlete, every dime that you give is a difference between these kids eating and not eating. Well, uh, that's uh, going back to, your, to, to the website, and it's, um, you know, saw some of the videos, saw some of the emotion uh, that you display on your website, and I, I just took a note of a, of a quote from, uh, I think it's, is it Jillian Apps? Yeah, Jillian. The, the hockey player, and this is her quote, can fund literally puts food on my table. And you know, the other thing is, as we like to say to we and, and the thing is, they, the athletes, again, step up every time. And, you know, Jane Hefford, here's one of the most decorated athletes in Olympic history. Women's hockey. And women's hockey. And, I mean, four gold medals and a silver and numerous world championships. So I always make a deal with them. We make the phone call to give them. And Jane, and she needed money. And so when we gave her the money, I said, the, the only stipulation is you actually have to if you're ready to do this, you have to do one further thing. She goes, what's that? Well, when you win your gold medal, you have to come get your picture taken with me. <laughs> so we had an event yeah. a couple of years after, and she was one of the guests. And I was standing there upstairs at our place, and all of a sudden there was a – she tapped me in the shoulder and says, I'm Mike and Asia for a minute. She takes me downstairs, and around one of our Team Canada exhibits we have downstairs in our room, she said, I owe you a picture. And she pulled out two medals and put one of the medal around my neck and got the picture. Wow. So, I mean, that's – what these kids are all about. And, you know, every dime matters so people step up and help them. We're talking with uh, Jane Roos and, and Mike Wilson about the Canada Canadian Athletes Now Fund. And we've got a couple of minutes left, Jane. We, uh, we you know, we, uh, we always, we're always tight for time on this show. We never get through, I never get through a quarter of my notes. But, uh, and, you know, it's, a, it's, it's so great to have you come in and, you know, educate me, educate NAS, educate our listeners about the challenges in funding our Canadian athletes and the tremendous work that you're doing. Um, the Can Fund Impact Gift. What is yeah. that? Tell us about that. I started that because, you know, it, it is a complicated conversation when people don't really understand why our athletes need funding because our athletes don't really talk about it because they're proud. So a few last year we decided let's, we're going to impact athletes' lives. That's what we do. 
And um, that's the role we take on every day, 365 days of the year. But the Impact Award was, you know, something like with Brian Burr, like anybody, um, I would say to you, Wally, think of someone who's really impacted your life. Without them, you wouldn't be where you are today. They have to be alive, but someone that stepped up for you. So literally, I could think about somebody. It could have been a law school professor, yep. a grade school teacher, uh, a soccer coach, anybody. Anyone who's really impacted your life. And, and you share three words who they are to you. I'm an artist, and I also own a yes. gallery. So I put those words on an 8 by 8 painting, and we'll mail them to that person out of the blue. You donate to CanFund, and in the letter that they receive, they'd say, "Think, dear so-and-so, think of someone who's impacted your life for Wally. You are that person. The three words he chose for you are, and not only have you impacted Wally's life, but they, they also find out the name of the athlete that is being supported through your donation to the painting. So, and, and people receive this sometimes as a surprise. Oh, it's always a surprise. We had a dinner. Remember the dinner we had? So we had a dinner where the person was invited as a guest. They didn't know they were getting this prize, and then Jane and Conrad presented them to them, and you should see the look on their faces. Some some people just break down in emotion to get some of this stuff from people that that they impacted people's lives. Yeah, one of our donors in Montreal, she sent it to her UBC professor who, you know, she was in a very male-dominant faculty, and he said, stay, don't go, don't let them wear you down. This is years ago. So she sent it to him, and it arrived just before he retired. And uh, he phoned her in tears. Like he was, I didn't know if my, if I mattered. Like I didn't, I was questioning my career. And I think you know we were obviously. I think when you go to funerals, we celebrate people's lives, and I think it's too late. I think why don't we? Why are we so stingy? Why don't we tell people while they're alive, the impact they've made. On us. So you're putting three words, and it's literally because this is the part I was, you know, you you brought it up, and I was going to mention it. You're you're an accomplished artist. Yeah, that's I, the, you know, you have a you know you have uh, exhibitions and you create artwork. So literally, you're you you know you're creating these things, and, say, and they're literally little pieces of art with three important words on them. Yeah, I mean, I own a gallery, the Janus yeah. Gallery, but at the same time, I wanted to create something. That would be meaningful for our donors, for them to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to impact the life of a Canadian athlete, but I also get the chance at the same time to impact the life of someone who supported me or impacted my life. It kind of has a three-time impact. absolutely. And it's, it's a $500 donation. You get a tax receipt for 400 and the painting gets sent. And companies are doing you, it in their you, offices now for their management teams, and people are honoring people. And it's just, it's a kind way you, you to support get, an athlete without. And you get to touch somebody's heart. Yeah, three people get impacted you make a in one shot. Yeah, it's really remarkable, a remarkable idea. And it took out the conversation. Like, I feel like our Canadian athletes won't talk about their team fees. Um, they're not that they're not told to, but they're, they don't. It's not really condoned. You know, you got to make the team, and you got to. So they don't talk about their team fees. They don't talk about their life, like what they're going through. So I thought, wow, these three-word paintings and that conversation, and people like I've had people donate, and they're like, "What's it helping again?" I'm like, "Oh, Canadian athletes. It's good. We're <laughs> good." Jane, unfortunately, our time Thank has you. come short, uh, but we do want we do want to give you an opportunity, a minute or so. Take some time to tell our listeners uh, where we where they can follow up. They want to help out Canadian athletes. If they want to touch somebody's 
heart or life in one of these impact gifts, the last minute and a half is yours, Jane. I'll turn yeah. it over to you. Okay, well, I would just say that, you know, we're 179 days to the Winter Games, and you can impact someone you've never met. You can impact their career. You could get them on the podium. You could help them qualify. And it's from a $25 donation. You get a tax receipt, uh, become a monthly donor. Any amount helps. And uh, get your company to adopt an athlete. That impact is massive because they get to hear the athlete and meet them eventually. You can host a pregame meal in your home where the athletes come to your house. And, um, you know, that's such an intimate experience. And we're, that's new. And we're doing it coast to coast. And I guess the end of the day is our athletes wear the Maple Leaf. They make us proud. And I think the misconception is that they're all doing fine. And they're not. And we exist because there's a big gap in funding. And I know people work hard for their money, and there's lots of great causes and charities. But this is a charity about excellence, and it's about Canada. And it's about saying to people, our athletes wear the Maple Leaf, and I want to give my donation to help them get there. And I promise you, the money we give them is used for the simplest things, basic living expenses, to traveling, to competitions. So your money will never... Uh, be used for anything frivolous. It's it's so needed and it's different. It's it's you're you're celebrating success and impacting people's lives, and it's a great, I think, thing to do. We've been talking to Jane Roos. Jane, thanks so much for thanks joining for us. And one last, the website mycanfund.ca. Mycanfund.ca. Can for Canada Fund. Yeah. Okay. If you got the opportunity, it's a great cause. Thank you. Thanks for bringing your passion and your energy into the studio this morning, Jane. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jane. It's great. Uh, it's time to go to break. We'll be right back after the break. We're going to chat with the ultimate Leafs fan who this morning is going to be the ultimate Marley's fan for, for uh, till the end of the show. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realized that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer, and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language, no matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. 
Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And once again, if you're in downtown Toronto and those large office towers and condo buildings are making a mess of your signal, you can tune us in on 96.7 FM. And uh, also, we're live streaming at the website www.zoomerradio.ca. We're in the home stretch here of the Nazawali Sports Hour for this August the 13th. Uh, and we have the ultimate Leafs fan in studio this morning. I know. Uh, Brings a grin to your, uh, brings a grin to you, Mike. Every time I say that, but uh, you are, and we're gonna return. Like I said before the break, we're turning you into the ultimate Toronto Marley fan this morning. We're talking, of course, the previous incarnation of the Toronto Marlies, not the uh, not the AHL team, but those fantastic Junior A years uh, that we all have incredibly fond memories of. Mike, you and I and Naz are of the same vintage. Mm-hmm. Jane, you're a little bit younger. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> a lot uh, younger. A lot younger. Like Sorry. Lot oh, younger. you know what? That okay. was a serious faux pas on my, my, <laughs> my sincere apologies. Um, great, great junior hockey. Um, of course, it, it was great junior hockey in the 50s. That was a little bit uh, uh, too much in the past for me, but certainly starting in about 63, you know, got to be old enough to... Um, to go down to Maple Leaf Gardens, watch those remarkable doubleheaders, the Marlies, uh, Neil McNeil Maroons, and some of those other great teams. Of course, there was the, six, the great 64, which I always thought was the greatest junior A hockey team of all time in Canada, the 64 Marlies. There was the 67 Marlies. Mike, you had a reunion of the 67 Marlies a while ago, and now you've got a reunion of the 1973 Marlies coming up. Tell us about your reunion. Well, uh, you know, they, they started uh, in the, the reunion, the 64, when it was the 50th anniversary. So they had one for that, and they had one for the Leafs. And uh, I attended it. It was at the CN Tower, and they, had, they went to the game and stuff. And then the 67 reunion came along, and they were looking for a venue. So they asked me if I would host it because, you know, again, a lot of these players play for the Leafs. So and some I, of those players, name some of those players from the 67 yeah. team. Oh, the six Brad like, Park, like Jerry, yeah. Brad Park, Brian Glennie, uh, Jerry, you know, um, Pellick. Terry Caffrey. Was Pellick on that Pellick team? wasn't on that he team. He wasn't on that team, okay. And then uh, uh, who else? I mean, there was just like an array of guys. Tom Martin. Was Caffrey on that uh, team? Uh, Wayne Carlton, Terry Caffrey, yeah. uh, John Wright. I mean, all these guys. I mean, uh, like I went to every one of those yeah. Sunday afternoon games. So, you know, a guy by the name of Paul Pascoe is who's a guy who organizes all these things, and he's the, you know, yeah. the ultimate uh, film archivist of hockey history. And he, or, so they asked me to do this. We had a WHA Toro reunion for National Toros and, and Bulls, and that was very successful. So because we have this good venue with the Ultimate Leafs fan, they think it's appropriate for, the, for this. And so they asked me for the 73 team to go for this team also, which is probably one of the greatest teams of all time because this team – you know, in a 63-game schedule, they set a record for goals scored four. Uh, they had less than 200 goals against, seven 30-goal scores. Uh, they were ranked the number one team in Canada. 
And they had, but the best part about these stories is I always like to look back in history and you like to look at how things developed after the fact. So I'm a guy of always about the story and I always like to talk about the story of having tentacles and how the tentacles move back. So that 73 team, which featured Mark Howe, uh, you know, Wayne Dillon, Pauline Bordelow, Glenn Goldup, uh, Mike Palmateer in goal. So I mean, it's just a stacked field Bob team. Daly. And Bob Daly in defense. But you wonder if all that would have happened the night before the midget draft. Now, they were allowed to protect two players in those days. And I assume the two players the Marty's protected uh, were Dennis Maruk and Bruce Boudreaux. And they had just come off just dynamic junior B teams, which was the Mark and Waxers, which was voted the best team of 25 years in history at the time. So, but the Marty's were looking for some help on the wing. So Mark Howe, who was playing for the Detroit Junior Red Wings, was probably going to get drafted in the top three. And it looked like now Hamilton had the first pick and were probably going to take Lee Foglin. And London had the second pick. So they were probably going to take Mark Howe, but Mark Howe didn't want to play in London. So the night before the midget draft, they traded Boudreaux for Mark Howe. Well, the league stepped in and stopped that. And they said, no, you're not pulling that one off. So they had to wait. So they drafted Howe, and then they traded him for Dennis Maruk. Uh, and so Howe came to Toronto and played left wing, and he turned and out Maruk to be— went to London, that's right. And that's right. And then so then he came to Toronto, and as he, he played with Wayne Dillon and uh, Glenn Gold up in that line, and he became a dynamic forward. And he ended up being the MVP in the, in the Memorial Cup. But the thing about it is he actually played defense in that game, and he had five points. And, you know, then he went on to have a bit of a decent career himself in the <laughs> National Hockey League as a defenseman. All of fame. But all no, these not little, bad. <laughs> but all these little stories that, you know, come up as a result of that. The Morrill Cup as an example that year was, oh, well, actually, the game you want to talk about is the, the, the well, game let, going. Let, we were at, I was at that game. I, yeah, I was at game, that game, eight, too. The, right? the Peter O'Pete game. Yeah, I, game 8. It was game, game seven, seven. Game seven, actually. Yeah. Oh, it, it would have gone to game eight. Right? It would have gone to game eight, uh, and it was the now, penalty those, shot. Jim Lever. While Jim Lever called the penalty, Jim Lever's by the works for work for the TTC, and we're trying to <laughs> track know. him down for the reunion. <laughs> I he think was, I can get him for you. He actually he actually refed the 1984 uh, games in Sarajevo. Uh, what I remember about that uh, that uh, Peter uh, Pete yeah. Marley game is uh, the Pete's had a pretty good team that year too. Great team. Had a great team, and the Marleys. I think they were the first team in OHL history that got 100 points in That's one correct. season. That's um, And like you said, they had they had a remarkable. But they the, the Peets put up a really big fight. And I remember I remember that game. Um, I, I some 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 reason uh, something happened that day. I went down to the gardens that night. I was exhausted. I think they remember the days they used to have March for Millions. Yeah. Do you remember that? I, I think I we went down, and a good buddy of mine, Romano Carlucci, who ended up being the captain of the Sault Ste. Marie Grounds, uh, uh, called me up and said, we're going to the Marley game tonight. And I said, well, uh, you got tickets? No, we're going to get the tickets when we go down there. And Naz, you were at that game, but we didn't know no, each was, other yet. That's right. Uh, that was probably, uh, we were at the same high school, but we it wasn't Naz, and Naz and Wally weren't a pair yet. That <laughs> came that came about a year later, two years later. So you were at that game. I was at that. We got down there, and... It was bedlam. It was bedlam. Uh, you couldn't find tickets. I remember we had to sit in the grays. We couldn't get a pair that were next to each other. So we there was like four guys that we went down with. We all had to split up. I remember sitting in the grays. The place was jam packed. Yeah. I think at the time it was the high. It was the most people had ever watched the junior That's hockey correct. game in Canada. That's correct. Up until that time, the gardens was completely packed, and because it was generally a young crowd. I mean, it wasn't like a Toronto Maple Leaf crowd where people were showing up in suits. Like, we were all teenagers. Well, you got to remember, in those and, days, there's no internet. Yeah. Uh, there's not, I mean, there was one, I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you had the Toronto Argonauts. 
Uh, there was, you know, no Blue Jays at that time, no Toronto Raptors. So junior hockey, the Marlies used to get 10,000 people yeah. to a game. And, and that, we, we, that one, yeah. they, the, you know, the, 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 the crowd noise was something I, I remember to this day that literally lifted the roof up. And I got to get to the point real quick because we only got four minutes left. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was the seventh game of that series. Yeah. The, it was it was three games. The Marlies were up three games to two, and there was one tie. The Marlies yeah. only needed a tie. It was a, a point, eight point series. Eight point series, and the Marlies got down in that game. They were down two goals twice. Two goals twice, and then they fought back in the last. I think the last five minutes of the game, and one of my favorite junior A hockey players of all time, of course, was Paul Ann Bordalo. number yeah. twenty. And people um, don't forget. You know, Paul Ann, Paul Ann Bordalo didn't have a great career as a pro, but when he played for the Marlies. He was like Jill Perot. I mean, he was just a phenomenal junior A player. Well, remember, he should never got out of Quebec. Yeah. But because of the way the OHA set up their drafting system, the Montreal Junior Canadiens actually took him as an underage and tried yeah. to keep him. But then he got drafted, uh, and he ended up, he didn't want to stay here. Yeah. But then the Martyrs made a trade for him and got him. And he was just the most phenomenal junior A player, in my recollection. And so to finish the story, the Marlies are down one goal. There's a minute to play. And I'll let you guys take over because you seem to have a better well, memory. Well, Jim Turkowitz. But they called they called a penalty shot. Jim Turkowitz put his hand on the puck in the crease. Yeah. And, they, and, and in, o- in those days, shot. you never saw penalty shots. I mean, they were so rare. And you got a penalty shot in the last minute of the game. And if he scores the goal, the Marlies move on to the. Well, Memorial there's a minute Cup. left in the game, and he's got the penalty shot, and he's skating around. And you know, now because we're having a reunion, all the players have been exchanging emails yeah. and going back and forth. So the guys are telling stories, and the funniest story is that as they're skating around, they threw a bunch of debris in the ice because now the fans are all going crazy. So they're waiting to clear that off, and Bordalo's circling around. And normally you don't speak to the guy who either the goalie or the shooter. You just leave him alone. So he's isolated, and he's, he's on an island by himself. So he's circling around. So he skates over the bench, and he looked over at the boys, and he said, you guys all effing nervous? And they all kind of looked at him. like, hey, And he kind of chuckled, and he went back to center, and he went in and scored. So, I mean, that's the type of guy that he was. And they just had, I mean, he was just this I, dominating player. That When he scored that goal, uh, I mean, the gardens just literally shook. I mean, it was the most, the, the most crowd noise that I've ever been associated with in any sporting event in my life. Well, here's the other thing too about that team. You got to remember, I should have pointed out at the beginning. They had ten rookies on that team. George Armstrong was a rookie coach, and Frank Bonello who put the team together as a rookie GM. So, I mean, that had even made more phenomenal. Then they go to Quebec. They go to Montreal, obviously, yeah. for the uh, Moral Cup. In those days, remember the way that at one time they used to play full series as a game, and then they tried to shorten things up. So they made the three teams, Medicine Hat, Quebec, and Toronto, and they played each other, and who the top two-point teams would play off. Well, as it turned out, all teams all won a game each. But the bad part of the story for Medicine Hat, who had Lana McDonald and Tom Lysiak, who were probably the two most prolific players in junior hockey at that time, they had a problem in goal. And the, the way the rules worked in those days, coming east for a tournament – or going west, whatever way you went, you were allowed to pick up another goalie. John Davidson was the number one goalie in the Western Hockey League. So they beat the Marlies. The Marlies beat Quebec. The Marlies lost to Medicine Hat. Then they played Quebec, and Quebec was minus three, and, and uh, Medicine Hat was plus one. So they had to win by four goals. They ended up beating them 7-3. They scored six goals in the first period. 20 seconds left, Ness. I'll give you the last word. Well, the Blue Jays are still oh. hunting for a wild card. They're only four games out. And there are five teams that took over the wild card spot this week. Only Texas and Toronto didn't get in. They had the lead. Minnesota's had the lead. Seattle, 
and uh, three others. But uh, at least they have we'll a keep, shot. We'll keep an eye on the Blue Jays. Unfortunately, our time for this week's edition of Naz and Wally Sports Hour has come to an end. A special thanks to you, Jane Roos, for, for coming in. MyCanFun.ca. Yep. Mike Wilson, the ultimate Leafs and Marlies fan. Thanks for joining us. You got it, guys. To everyone, have a great week. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.